God save the king, and God save us from the king's new world order. The Biden administration tries to remove the Blessed Sacrament from a Catholic hospital, and 13 Catholic lawmakers pass bills that turn Minnesota into the devil's sanctuary. What are they doing to our kids? What's going on here? Well, let's ask this guy. Transgenderism today, transhumanism tomorrow. Plus, how George Orwell got it wrong. For the first time since the Reformation in the 1500s, a Catholic prelate will formally participate in the coronation. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Michael Mann. This is The Remnant Underground. Long live King Charles III now. God save the king! God save the king! Now, to be fair, at least the Windsors have retained some modicum of appreciation for tradition, pomp, circumstances, the bearskin hats, the whole... Drum and Bugle Corps, whatever it's called over there. The bagpipes, right? It's beautiful. More than we can say about the caftan and moo-moo crowd running the Novus Ordo Church right now, which has abandoned everything beautiful and traditional. So there's that. That said, this guy is the king of the New World Order. And there's just no way around that. And it's not just us Yanks who are concerned. It's symptomatic of him being obsessed and infected, I think, with the woke poison that we've seen infecting so many other people in this society. I mean, he's given into the eco-mob, left, right and centre. He appeared at COP26. He's supposed to not be political, but he's OK getting political when it comes about net zero and the targets that are affecting your average common man and woman in the pocket every single day of the week. Now, I know, I know, not easy to hear. God save the king and everything. Especially if you're English. Is English still a thing? Is that legal still? Or they, have they phased that out? If you're British, whatever. But this guy, I mean, it's just, it's not like a conspiracy theory with poor uh, King Charles now. He's got his very own webpage on, on the World Economic Forum's website. I mean, he's dug in like a tick with this great reset fourth industrial revolution gang, the lunatics of Davos. We need a shift in our economic model that places nature and the world's transition to net zero at the heart of how we operate, prioritizing the pursuit of sustainable, inclusive growth in the decades to come. And on his website, at the World Economic Forum site, Charles lays out his Ten Commandments for sort of, I don't know, resetting the world according to the Green New Deal or whatever it is that, that uh, Davos is calling it this week. Davos, by the way, is suffering. People are noticing that they are becoming a little ridiculous. So we're going to talk about that tonight. There is some, there's like a little crack of hope that they've jumped the shark. I think uh, more, mm -hmm. than, more than that, in a, in a lot of ways, people are seeing through it. But this doesn't change the fact that poor Charles is just stuck in this thing. So number four of his Ten Commandments, for example, on his World Economic Forum page is kind of fun. This is where the now King promises to, shall we say, actively advance the adoption of common metrics and standards to force compliance with the Paris Climate Agreement. It is time now to move toward unified metrics and global standards, says King Charles. I guess what he has in mind is sort of one big green super surveillance state, and I guess I would like to, <laughs> to ask His Highness, what about those of us who aren't going to go along with it? Do you have some sort of Gestapo in mind? Are we going to go to some sort of, I don't know, re-education camps? Is that what's going to happen if we don't comply with this nonsense? 
And meanwhile, as this is happening, this is why I say I think the, 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 the situation in Ukraine, the situation with Russia, there's a lot that's changed. And there's nothing, it's not smooth sailing at all right now for this great reset crowd because the world, let's face it, is cracking up. I mean, the economies of, of countries all around the world, including here in the States, crashing. People are dying suddenly all over the world. There's a huge gaping hole in that whole argument that you could drive a semi through that we need the digital health pass in the future they're still working on. Former British Prime Minister Tony Blair calls for a national digital infrastructure. We should be helping countries to develop a national digital infrastructure which they will need for these future vaccines. What future vaccines? Why do we need to take them? Have we not learned perhaps what happens from them? <laughs> We're looking now at yet another world war. This one perhaps will be nuclear. Russia claims that Ukraine tried to kill Vladimir Putin in the early hours of Wednesday. This is the first video we have. It's in Moscow. We see an object fly in from the left and explode. So we're part of this now. Who, who's behind this? Who's behind trying to take out Vladimir Putin? Well, we're going to find out, I guess. But we have a good idea. You know, last time they told us that, that Russia had blown up the Nord Stream pipeline themselves. So I don't know if they're going to be able to say Russia is actually trying to kill Putin as well. It's all Russia, Russia, Russia. I don't know. The good news is that Vladimir Zelensky says he for sure didn't fire that drone at Vladimir Putin. We don't attack Putin or Moscow. Uh, we fight on, on our territory. We are defending our villages and cities. Whew. Well, that's a relief because I am never going to question um, President Zelensky. This man is straight up going to tell the truth all the time. And for that matter, I, I take his word for it so that the school marms and hall monitors over at YouTube can relax because we here at Remnant TV, we stand with Ukraine. We want World War III just as much as the next guy does. So glory to Ukraine. <laughs> Meanwhile, Francis, Pope Francis, his answer right in the middle of this, he's going to get the ladies to vote at the Senate. He's going to get women in there. He's diversifying the Vatican because that's going to make the whole world see the Catholic Church as relevant again. And with more on that, we have here tonight Sister Natalie from the planet Synodality once again. Pope Francis has opened a synod for a synodal church communion participation mission and he's calling all of us, each of us, together to journey like in this logo, all together listening to the spirit. That means that what is important is not just to have one woman, maybe at the Vatican or as president of a university or provost. Or, no, it's all together. And we can move forward just if we journey together. Wow. That is exciting. I, I wish I could have been there. And I wish I, could, I wish I could just see that Crayola drawing of the stick figures journeying, walking oh, together. Yeah. Makes me want to, want to walk together with, with whatever those creatures are. But look, by the way, and this is, again, to suggest that the Synod on Synodality, the whole Francis Roadshow, the Great Reset, the wheels are coming off it to some extent. Because look at those empty chairs. Walter, throw that up on the screen one more time. Those empty chairs as Sister Natalie there. She's come all the way over from the Vatican to speak to the students there at the university. 
<laughs> and quite frankly, if there were that many empty chairs at our Catholic Identity Conference, for example, we'd probably cancel it, you see, because nobody cares. But that doesn't change the fact that these people are fiddling while Rome burns, while the church burns, while the world burns. The Catholic Church is actually, in her human element, is just dying right before their eyes. There is a crisis in the church. People are leaving the Catholic faith in droves. Statistically, the church is growing, but those numbers only count baptisms and confirmations. They don't count the people who have been baptized and confirmed and then leave the church. But if we look at mass attendance, vocations to the priesthood and religious life, and the number of people who consider themselves to be ex-Catholic, we see a different picture. We see a church that is dying. And the really sad thing is, friends, I mean, the traditional Catholics, we've been talking about this for 50 years. The church is auto-destructing. We even have a pope, Pope Paul VI, who said the church was auto-destructing, and it has been for a long time. It is now as irrelevant to the lives of people as it could possibly be. But this is so tragic because as a result of that, as a result of the end, the last days of the, the, the most recognized moral authority on the planet, the people themselves are going insane. That is what is going on in here. That is what the trans genocide in this country, in this city, has brought me to. thing that's standing in the way right now of that level of insanity taking over the halls of government, every, every level, at every level of our lives, that thing is being dismantled. Francis is destroying it on purpose. I know you don't want to hear that, but that's what's going on. That's what he's doing. Those of you who are still out there defending what he's doing, shame on you if you're Catholic. And just because you can't handle the truth, you're making stuff up. You're defending the indefensible. you got to stop, right? You know, I can cite any number of authorities to prove this to you. The latest, just this week, according to the well-known, highly respected Austrian philosopher, Professor Joseph Seifert of Munich University, no slouch as everyone knows, according to him, Pope Francis now, is destroying the very foundations of faith and morals. And we see this all around us. But Professor Seifert has written a letter, an open letter to the Cardinals on May 2nd, to the Cardinals of the Catholic Church, in which he says, I cannot understand how the Cardinals can remain silent in the face of Francis's assertion that God positively wills the diversity of religions, which, of course, we get from the Abu Dhabi Declaration, that Francis supports homosexual concubines, obviously, because he wants to bless gay unions. Francis's denial of the existence of acts that are always and forever and everywhere intrinsically evil, to his false teaching on the death penalty, to Francis's claim that hell is empty, to his claim that the souls of mortal sinners now, they don't go to hell, they're just destroyed and they go up into the guff or whatever he's saying after death. Which, by the way, is something that is also claimed by those theological geniuses over in the Jehovah Witness camp. So thank you very much, Holiness, for enlightening us on that. 
But this is really, really serious, friends. We can't. <laughs> I see like a broken record. You can't continue to bury your head in the sands because you can't handle the ramifications of admitting the truth. Well, Professor Seifert has admitted the truth. And he, he writes in his letter, as far as I know, there has never been a pope in church history who has claimed similar monstrosities as those now claimed by Francis. So you're just going to fire up your YouTube channel and tell everybody that there's not a problem? That's your, that's your answer when you have people like Professor Seifert saying, oh my gosh, this is hell on earth. He's destroying the church. And meanwhile, the church, the Vatican, clueless, oblivious to what's happened. Not a problem, says Sister Natalie from the planet Synodality. Why? Because Francis is going to bring in the ladies. What we are doing is ready to uh, continue the reception of the Second Vatican Council. And I often think, when I was appointed, and almost every day, you know, if we have a women now, not only at the Synod of Bishops, but I will uh, speak about that after, at, in many other dicasteries at the Roman Curia, but not only there, in dioceses, as chancellor, as director of uh, youth ministry, or uh, in different position. It is also because during the Second Vatican Council, at a time, Paul VI called some women for the first time to be uh, auditor. And the irony, of course, is that real women in the real world are looking to the Vatican and say, how about a little leadership over here? And they're not getting any. They're abandoned, real women who want to see something happen, who want to defend their children, who want to defend their countries. They're doing the Pope's job every day because, well, he's listening and I don't know what else he's doing, right? So take, for example, our good friend, the Japanese journalist Masako Ganaha. Now, some of you may remember we, we did a little, a little piece on George Floyd, the aftermath of George Floyd here in Minneapolis. She came to town and walked around his neighborhood, and <laughs> it was a very interesting, interesting uh, little experiment or a little adventure for us at that point. It was very dangerous still down there. She wasn't afraid at all. She's the, she's the same journalist, by the way, who we showed a couple of months ago chasing Klaus Schwab around Davos. Hey, I'm from Japan. May I ask you I'm from Japan. Yeah. And may I uh, ask you for a comment? No, we're, we're on our we're no, on our way to the you. next thing. We're a bit late. Uh, oh, I but can thank just you. walk with thank you, you and then ask. Oh, I think we're gonna we're gonna rush actually. But thank you. Uh, Thanks very much. Uh, but, uh, which which uh, media are you with? Uh, I am an independent journalist from yeah, Japan. Yeah. No, thank you very much. <laughs> yes. I have and, to ask. Thank but you. Thanks me, for me. thank you. So there's a powerful woman who will not, of course, be invited to the Synod on Synodality because she's doing too much good work, right? She's not even Christian, not even Catholic, Masako. She's on Fox News this week trying to save her country from America's number one export while the bishops, for the most part, observe this bizarre silence in the face of the same evil. Masako, thanks for being here. What is the reaction from the Japanese public to Rahm Emanuel, who, as you aptly pointed out, was the mayor of a city, Chicago, that is now one of the most disastrous in our country? What's the reaction to him telling you that you need to let men use women's bathrooms? Yes, many Japanese people are so angry about this obvious uh, 
of overt in interference in domestic affairs. And to begin with, I have to say that there are no discriminatory against LGBT people in Japan. But what they're doing is to push LGBT ideology to us, and it's destroying our culture. Where, where are the bishops asking those questions, pointing out what's happening to countries all over the world? What are they waiting for? Are they going to stand with this young woman who's doing their job for them? Or are they just going to continue to shut down other young women, hundreds of thousands of young women, like this one? These communities surrounding the Latin Mass are very focused on like family and growing deeper in, in the faith. They had promoted that way of worship every month at the campus parish until they received a message from the bishop. He called for an end to the practice on campus, instead directing students to St. Peter's Church on 4th Street and their traditional liturgy. Bishop Monfortin says it's an effort to follow what the Vatican asks. Let's just stop for a moment and think about that. Then in the middle of all this, a massive genocide against the unborn going on. You got butchers out there wanting to hack up little children, right? You got world war going on. Massive, massive apostasy all across the world. And during a moment like this, with all-out war against God, life, and family, the bishops are concentrating their efforts on canceling that little girl's community. We just showed you. What kind of a monster would do this? Why are they doing this, friends? Let's slow down and ask this question. Your excellencies, what are you, what are you doing? The few kids who have hung on? And you're, you're, you're mounting a campaign to shut them all down? Do, do you know what's going on in the real world? Have you become so isolated by this woke Church of Francis that you don't understand what's actually happening on the ground? You must. You must because it's happening in your own diocese right here in flyover land, Minnesota. <laughs> the politicians are following the science to such an extent that the good Bishop of Tyler, Texas, Joseph Strickland, tweeted this out, that Minnesota has become the devil's sanctuary. So we have one or two good bishops that are speaking out like this. They're seeing it. Why aren't all the bishops seeing it? Because these guys have a chance. They might be able to do something to slow this down. Politicians in my state, friends, remember, this is Minnesota. It was founded by the great Catholic missionaries, Father Galtier, Father Hennepin. You walk around that town right now, if you don't get shot in the process, you can still see their statues, the statues of the great Father Hennepin, the priests that came here and built this place, built, carved it out of the wilderness, right? That's our heritage. That's our history. It's all gone now. The Catholic Church is meaningless. It can't seem to get its voice out at all, even when it tries. So our politicians, you're in flyover land, Minnesota, they spent two years masking up Minnesota's children, right? Two years, giving them shots, telling people they had to get, they had to vaccinate their kids. Two years locking them out of their own schools, causing damage, mental damage, psychological damage that hasn't even been measured yet. And it may be years before we understand exactly what we did to our kids over the past few years. And now you know what they're going to do? You know what they're going to do? They're going to follow the science here? You know what they're going to do to the kids in Minnesota? They're going to mandate that we must give them puberty blockers, double mastectomies, and any other brutal surgeries, whether or not parents consent.
Minnesota passed a trans refuge bill. Opponents say it would strip custody from non-consenting parents. What do I mean by that? If you do not go along with transitioning your child, medically transitioning that is, they will strip your child away from you. Take custody of your child. Friday evening, a law was passed saying that if uh, Democrats actually supporting this bill said if you don't consent to cross-sex hormone prescriptions or sex change procedures, we will take your child from you. Since when does the government know more about our children than us parents? Since when? Since when is the government allowed to come in and take our custodial rights away from us, our parental rights away from us, if we don't do something to our children, let our children do something that could change their life and the course of their life forever? <laughs> and not surprisingly, friends, there's, there's a mass exodus going on right here in Minnesota now because of this, because nobody but nobody actually wants this. There's a large homeschool, we're in, we're in mourning here in our home, with me and my, my wife and seven children, a large homeschool family, very close to our kids, been best friends for years. You know what? They just moved out. They moved out of the state. And five families in their neighborhood also moved out of the state of Minnesota. Why? Because this is becoming a godless, Christophobic regime. You know what? Yeah. You know what? Even people on the other side, people in the LGBTQRST community are freaking out. Even they don't want this. Governor Walls, you emasculated little twit. All of you who are surprised by the hate that the LGBT community has been receiving in the recent weeks, I want to ask you, uh, like, why are you surprised? Uh, what did you think would happen when you decided to go after the kids? And then we told you to leave the kids alone and you just won't listen. So, surprise, surprise. Again, where's the church? Now, according to our friends over at Complicit Clergy, these horrific bills were passed into law by 13 Catholic lawmakers, all of whom reside right here in the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, where is the church. They don't seem to care, these politicians. They're not interested. You see, that's what we got over the past 50 years of the spirit of Vatican II and the Church of Accompaniment. Catholic apostate politicians everywhere from the, from the President of the United States right here to good old flyoverland. 13 Catholic politicians don't give a rat's lower spinal extremity about what the Catholic Church has to say against what they're doing. That's what happened. And that was the point and purpose all along. Take the Catholic Church down. Remove the moral influence of the Catholic Church so we can do whatever we want. And it's not all just the bishops, the, the current bishops. This is a long time coming. Archbishop Bernard Hebda is a good man. He lobbied against these bills as best he could, but it just didn't make much of a difference. But we as parents, you know, <laughs> are well within our rights to beg you, please enforce, at least enforce Canon 915, which orders that those who obstinately persist in manifesting grave sin must be denied access to Holy Communion. Several bishops in this country have done it. God bless them for doing it. And we encourage all the bishops, especially in these God-forsaken blue states, to do the same. Because you know what we're talking about here? We're talking about kids talking about hacking up kids hurting kids permanently you know and 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 the, the modern church of accompaniment they, they talk the talk they're always talking about child trafficking and isn't that terrible 
But tell me, where were they when this young girl was being trafficked? It is my honor today to welcome to the show former trans kid Chloe Cole. Do you remember the first time that you heard that word transgender or started to think, maybe that's me, maybe I identify as someone who's male? It wasn't until I was about 11 and I started using social media that I started to learn more about it and start to like kind of apply that information to myself and wonder about like my identity and things like that. I decided to come out to my parents after I got the, the gender dysphoria diagnosis okay. when the somebody on my medical team had told them that um, they they never they never presented any options other than transitioning. Okay. And um, the doctors they, didn't. Mm, okay. Yeah, they never talked about what would happen if I were to regret my tra- transition and go back on that decision. And they told them that if I wasn't affirmed in my identity and allowed to transition as I wanted, then I would be at risk of suicide. Mm-hmm. So they were pretty much coerced into allowing this to happen. Okay. Then it was at 15 that you had a double mastectomy, correct? Yeah. Okay. The justification was that I had a male gender identity that didn't match my body. <laughs> it, just, it just breaks your heart. See, the confidence in this little girl who's just had her guts kicked out of her, surgically removed, right? That's what's left of her. And she had autism. But the science instead gave her a double mastectomy after the schools and the politicians brainwashed her. You needed to be walked through in great detail all of the issues that were relevant to you on the psychological and medical front, all the options that were available to you, and the pros and cons of all those options. The problem with me starting it so young was not only that I couldn't consent, I couldn't really fathom the full, just the full picture of things. You know, I'll never be able to breastfeed. Um, I'll never have that erogenous sensation in my chest back. I do, I do hate to speak about it, but I'm experiencing sexual dysfunction at the age of 18. That's something that women usually go through when, when they're in their 40s to 50s. How is I supposed to know? How exactly is this not genital mutilation? You know, the thing that we were all talking about with respect to the Muslim world. Oh, yeah, everybody was so quick to defend women and defend girls when Muslims were doing it. We're doing it now, and it's a basic inalienable inalienable human right. And if you object, well, you're a hater. You go to jail. But they've been doing this in the Muslim world for a long time. If you kill or uh, remove any part of anybody's body, it will take as a crime. I think the government can play a big role in stopping FGM. So again, what's the difference? Well, I guess it must be that the smart white children of the world instinctively know that they're trapped in the wrong body. <laughs> really? Racist much? And we didn't have anything to do with sexually confusing the living daylights out of these kids? My name is Blackberry. I'm a bearded drag queen. That means I'm a lady with lots of facial hair. Do you want to touch my hair? No. This program is geared towards kids 10 years old and younger. 
the bearded lady talking to the little six-year-old. Gee, I, I wonder why the kids are so confused. I wonder where they get these ideas that maybe they, they're in the wrong body. <laughs> Even LGBT folks see how insane this is. Can I tell you the truth? I would give up my right to marry uh, uh, a woman if it means that kids will be protected from transitioning and indoctrination and the sexualization. How about that? And let's not forget another little detail nobody seems to want to talk about. We're being told that we have to do this to the kids because the kids know best when they're five, six, seven, eight years old, right? The science. <laughs> Follow the science. Trust the science. This is coming from the same clowns that for years have been telling us that it's abusive, us as in Christian parents. It's abusive to baptize your little babies because children should be allowed to choose their own religion once they're old enough to understand. You see, that's just abuse. That's indoctrination. <laughs> Stop with the Christian indoctrination of baptism of babies, right? Okay, libtards, but you first. We continue to pass bills without even, <laughs> out even the Republicans saying much on it, hmm. uh, which is shameful, and that's coming from me, a Democrat. <laughs> um, but we just keep passing bill after bill after bill, uh, taking away parental rights and um, pushing the gender agenda. Absolute child abuse going on systemically throughout the, the public school system right now, right? And you don't have to be a traditional Catholic to know there's something really, really sick and really wrong about this. And it's okay to ask questions about something that's very new and involves children. The answer can't always be that anyone from a marginalized community is automatically right, trump card, mic drop, end of discussion. Because we're literally experimenting on children. Maybe that's why Sweden and Finland have stopped giving puberty blockers to kids. Because we just don't know much about the long-term effects. I don't understand parents who won't let their nine-year-old walk to the corner without a helmet, an EpiPen, and a GPS tracker. <laughs> and God forbid their lips touch dairy, but... <laughs> But hormone blockers and genital surgery, fine. What's this really all about? Clearly, it's not about politics, right? Well, think about it. If they can change our sex, if they can change the sex of our children, we're going to go right along with it. They can change just about anything about us, right? So as I see it, transgender is basic training for transhumanism. I think that's what's going on. I really do. The altering of our biological identity. This is the ultimate objective of the fourth industrial revolution and lunatics like Klaus Schwab. It's at the end what, what the fourth industrial revolution will lead to is a fusion of our physical, our digital, and our biological identities. So that's what they want. And the question is, are they going to pull it off? Can they actually pull this off? Are we that brain and soul dead that we're going to stand back and let them pull this off? You know what? 
I honestly don't think so. I really don't. I think people, as we said at the top of the show, people have had enough of these lunatics like Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates. And yes, I'm sorry, Pope Francis, certainly King Charles. They've had enough of these old guys, right? These old octogenarians that are just out of their cotton-picking minds now. You know, even old-school liberal Democrats are going, <laughs> okay, you've gone too far now. Climate issues and pollution issues are being exploited by, you know, the, the World Economic Forum and Bill Gates and all of these uh, big, you know, mega billionaires, the same way that COVID was exploited, uh, to use it as an excuse to clamp down top-down totalitarian controls on society. Now, I, I don't know what's going on with Trump. Quite frankly, this war against DeSantis just seems really childish to me. I don't know, I don't know what that's, what's going on. But I do think it's interesting to see what the Trump camp is saying, especially right now about Davos. So there's something I'm talking about. about I'm talking about uh, Donald Jr. Uh, Trump. There's certain things like with him, a guy like him, the way he says something is pretty important. You know what I mean? Like there's certain there's a certain manliness about showing disgust for what the globalists are doing or what Davos is doing, what Klaus Schwab is doing that you can't really fake. So people could say, well, that's just part of the political game to fool us, whatever, maybe. I want to show you this clip of, of Donald Trump Jr. talking about Davos because of the fact that to me, it seems he's it's pretty convincing that he believes what he's saying, that he's seeing right through it. Check this out. The World Economic Forum, this is a cult. Okay, you've read about Klaus Schwab, its leader. These are the globalists. These are the people that want you eating bugs and eliminating meat and eliminating your ability to own anything independently. But you'll take care of you and you'll be really, really happy. These people, in my mind, are absolutely evil. You got Donald Trump Jr. calling what's happening right now with globalism and with the World Economic Forum absolute evil. <laughs> in other words, the devil's sanctuary. In other words, an overlap between what they're saying in the Trump camp and what Bishop uh, Strickland is saying, that they're creating a devil's sanctuary now that no one will tolerate. And in that sanctuary, by the way, and obviously, there will be no room for God. So those who continue to be godly, continue to practice their religion, who don't back down, are going to be at the front line now of this counter-revolution. And progress is being made. Right? Because again, they're out of control. Just this week, Joe the Catholic Biden, his Department of Human Services, is out there threatening St. Francis Health System in Oklahoma. This is the 12th largest hospital in the country. They're threatening, no, this is not the Babylon Bee. They're threatening to remove the hospital's accreditation for keeping a sanctuary lamp going in their Catholic hospital chapel. I kid you not. <laughs> so first, first it was the DOJ coming after the Latin Mass Catholics, right? And now it's the sanctuary lamp in Novus Ordo chapels and hospitals? Because you know what that is, those of you who are not Catholic. The sanctuary lamp, maybe I'll throw that up on the screen, it represents the, the presence, the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. So the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist on a hospital campus, because of that, they're threatening Medicaid and Medicare. The federal government threatening Medicaid and Medicare certification in the state of Oklahoma. <laughs> if the Catholics don't get rid of the Blessed Sacrament, in other words, then they're going to be shut down. Dead serious. And why would this be? 
Well, it's because the anti-Christians, you know, they are anti-Christian. And I would say also it's because Oklahoma's governor, Kevin Stitt, God bless this guy. He signed several, he's really something. I mean, he absolutely outlawed abortion. You penalize anybody with 10 years in prison or something if they, if they commit the crime of abortion. Well, he's not, he's not beloved by our globalist friends, obviously. And he signed several bills into law banning gender-affirming care just a few weeks ago for minors. And, of course, before that, outlawing abortion altogether in the state. You see, here's the thing, Brent. Now they're coming after Oklahoma like this. you got to get rid of Jesus in your hospital chapels. So the other side of this whole thing really does see this as a holy war. And I guess in conclusion tonight, that's the question we need to ask ourselves. Do we see it as a holy war? Do we? Or are we just going to vote it out? We're going to go to the polls in 2024 and give Donald Trump another crack at it. And that's, that's going to save us? That's going to save the world? After they've come so far in this war against God and family? Maybe. But I wouldn't count on it. And we got a little time right now to fight, put on the spiritual armor, and to fight openly, publicly, to fight. <laughs> because this isn't politics. <laughs> you know this isn't politics anymore. If you have people who are saying, I have an idea, let's castrate the next generation. Let's sexually mutilate children. I'm sorry, that's not a political debate. What? There's nothing to do with politics. The enemy of our freedom, friends, of our family, of our way of life, is also the enemy of our God. It started with a war on God. Bishop Strickland is absolutely right. They are transforming our world into a sanctuary for demons. If there has ever been a more important time for us to wake up as Catholics and realize the traditional Catholic restoration is vital to our salvation, to the salvation of our children, to our life, to the lives of our children, it's right now. We need to stop with the quibbling and the intramural squabbling, the circular firing squads, right? Otherwise, it's all over. Now, the thing is, if we can get it together, if we can understand, if we can become as engaged and enlisted in this spiritual war as the other side is, then this isn't going to be over. This isn't the end of it. We've just begun to fight. <laughs> and you know why? You know why we have so much confidence down here? We know how this ends, friends. We say this all the time, but we have to remind ourselves because part of the war, part of the PSYOP, is to make us so dark and so depressed and so convinced that the enemy is omniscient and all-powerful that we give up. That's the name of the game. That's what they're doing every day. They're doing it right now in the state of Minnesota. You can't do anything. We have all the power, they're saying. But they don't. They will not win in the end, friends. You know why? I'll tell you why. One anecdotal reason why. George Orwell got it wrong. We use a lot of his quotes down here, a lot of his stuff from his work, because he nailed, absolutely nailed, for example, in 1984. He nails the revolution. Nails it when it comes to the bad guys, to the godless super state. But he gets the counter-revolution dead wrong. Why? Because he was an agnostic. Oceana has no Christ. It has no cross. It has no Christians. It has no Christian resistance movement. And guess what happened? Just a quick point to, to, to bear that out right now in the present. What, what just happened before we shot this show today? The Biden administration backed down. Remember, they have all the power in the world, don't they? They had all the power. The President of the United States, the Justice Department, the Human Services, Health and Human Services, right? You got it all. But the government backed down. It came to that little hospital in Oklahoma. 
when it came to that little sanctuary lamp in the little hospital in Oklahoma. The government got afraid. The government, says the lawyers were defending that hospital. The government knew it was playing with fire. So today it announced its decision to allow the living flame the St. Francis can continue to serve God in its community as it always has. This was a press release from the, something called the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. It's a law firm that represented the Oklahoma hospital. That happened just in a couple days. Total turnaround, total back down from the big, powerful New World Order people <laughs> over, over a little candle, over the real presence of, over the Christian resistance. Because you know what? The Catholics in Oklahoma just refused to back down. And they said, not on our watch. You're not getting away with this. We'll die for the candle. <laughs> you know, and that's the way it's got to be, friends. And that's the way it's going to be. Because for 2,000 years, Christianity, Christians, always come out on top in the end. Yeah, they get suffered. They suffer. They get <laughs> fed to lions. They lose campaigns like they did in the Vendée or in the Cristero in the Cristero War, but they didn't lose, you see? Because of the way you don't lose in this world, the world has always been at war with the cross and always will be at war with the cross. But the world isn't the winners. The people who stand with the cross are the winners, and they always will be. Because Christ wins in the end, friends. Don't let them drive that out of your head. He will always win because he already did win. He won. And if you want proof, Again, some immediate proof in the here and now, in the present. Just look at your screen. And what do you see there? You see 25,000 young Catholic men and women who refused to back down and whose parents over the years refused to back down. And the New World Order is powerless over them. And in a few weeks, they're going to do it again. They're going to take to the streets in Paris and they're going to make it clear once again that our forefathers wrestled with demons. The same demons we're wrestling with right now, they wrestled with them before time and time again. And they always kept the faith. They never backed down in the face of evil and neither will we. The enemies of the cross have become so disgusting now, hacking up their own little children declaring war on God and, and, and everything true, everything good, everything beautiful, that they now have absolutely nothing to look forward to, which is why they always look so angry, which is why they're always shouting and screaming at people, forcing their will, because nobody wants what they have to sell anymore. But we, the children of light, <laughs> we stand with Christ. It is our honor to stand with Christ. Christ who gave us the power, friends, to become the sons of God. So long as we believe, so long as we believe in his name, I'll back down over what they're doing to us. In his name and by the power of God Almighty and through the intercession of the Immaculate Virgin Mary, let us command these demons to leave us alone, to leave our children alone forever and to be consigned to the pits of everlasting hellfire. That's what we're going to do. So hang in there, friends. God wins in the end. And we'll see you next week.